0: Hey, it is so good to see you here today. Thank you for being a part of our grand opening celebration. For those of you like brand new to our church, welcome. I'm Christian. I'm one of the pastors here and we are really, really grateful that you are with us. Before I jump into today's Bible study, just a few kind of family business matters to handle. So one of the things our church is passionate about is raising up the next generation to know and follow Jesus. So tonight our family ministry vision night for discipleship. If you have children, who are infant through seniors in high school. Tonight is the night when we tell our parents how we plan to partner with you so you can disciple your children. Um, if, you, if you bring your kids to journey, we're going to do the very best job we can of helping them know and love Jesus, but they spend so much more time with you than with us, so we think it's important to put a plan into the hands of people um, to say, here's how you disciple your kids. Your grandkids, uh, your nieces and nephews, some moms and dads want to invite you tonight to be a part of that. Grandma, and grandpa want to invite you tonight to be a part of that. We think together we can partner to raise the next generation to, to love Jesus. Uh, we're also very passionate about caring for people spiritually, especially people who need spiritual care. So I'm going to ask all over the room, our spiritual care team members to stand because I want you to know kind of how things are working on Sunday mornings. So go ahead and stand up in every section. So in every section you sit in every Sunday morning, there's gonna be a spiritual care team member assigned to that section. And almost every Sunday, they will be sitting in the same sections Their goal on Sunday is to get to know you, to allow you to get to know them, and to know that they're there. If you ever need anything before service, after service, if you have a spiritual need, or you know someone who has a spiritual need, you're going to see people in gray shirts that say "spiritual care." You can before after service find them. They are here to minister to you. We never want someone to come in with a spiritual burden and leave without having someone to talk to, someone to pray with. Um, So know that they're there. Try to sit in the same sections when you come on Sunday because. these folks for the most part are going to try to sit in the same place and their goal is just to get to know the people sitting in their block of seats every Sunday. So would you put your hands together for our spiritual care team um, who really is here to serve and love you. You guys can go ahead and be seated. Thank you so much. If you have your Bibles today, John chapter 2 is where we're going to hang out in our Bible study time. We love to study the Bible and talk about Jesus at our church. How many of you like me Need noise to be able to fall asleep. Is like, there anyone else in the house that cannot fall asleep if it's quiet? I like, I need noise to fall asleep. My wife likes it quiet. She's she's already told me as soon as the kids are gone, like you're moving to your own bedroom, um, because she can never go to sleep until. My noises put me to sleep so that then she can turn it off um, and go to bed. So she doesn't want the kids to think we don't love each other. But she's like, as soon as they're out, you're out. Um, because like, I got to have a TV on. Um, that started when I was young. I didn't have a TV in my room. But my mom and dad got me an alarm clock with a radio. And six months of the year, I would fall asleep in Southern Ohio, listening to Cincinnati Reds baseball games. Like, I got my love of listening to baseball Trying to fall asleep at night. And this was in the era, era of like the Reds when they were really good. The Barry Larkin, Eric Davis, Chris Sabo with his Rex Specs, Crazy Lou Piniella was our manager. The Nasty Boys were our bullpen, winning the World Series in 1990 over the Oakland A's and the Bash Brothers. Um, like Marty Brenneman. And Joe Nuxall, the voice of the Cincinnati Reds, were like the guys who put me to sleep every night in my childhood. And I used to love when the Reds would win. If I could make it to the end of the game, you'd always hear Marty say his signature call. And this one belongs to the Reds. And then Joe Nuxall, who was the youngest pitcher to ever pitch in Major League Baseball, I think he pitched in the majors at 16, would sign off the broadcast saying, this is the old lefty, round and third and heading for home. Like I knew if I made it that far, I had made it to the end of the game and they had won. So like baseball has become a soundtrack of my life where even today, I always have baseball on in the background if it's between March and October. I just love listening to the game. And I love getting to the end of the Kansas City Royals game When they've won because even if I'm not watching I know when the song comes on we're going to Kansas City Kansas City here I come like I know that we've won if that song is playing in the background the Royals have won Casey's running around the outfield he's got his little W sign and it's like all right like the Royals have won if we did not live in Kansas City today but we were going to Kansas City Here's the people we would find as visitors to our city. The Barna Research Group did some research about the state of Kansas City after 2020 and 2021. So they did this research moving into the fall of last year. And they said, here's a picture of Kansas City as they've moved through 2020 and 2021. 71% are stressed, 62% are anxious, 53% are burned out. 47% are lonely, 46% are depressed. If if we did not live in Kansas City, but we were going to Kansas City, that's who we'd find. And because we live in Kansas City, that is not who we find, that's who we live by. Because we live in Kansas City, like, that's us. It's not just our neighbors, that's us. I first got this information emailed to me by the Barna Research Group, emailed to a group of pastors on October 12th. The last statistic that isn't on the screen was that 60% of people in Kansas City believe that churches can help people who are struggling like that. And for the first time looking at that email, seeing the state of our city and knowing as a pastor, the state of my own family, the son in college, a daughter in high school, navigating life that we all lived in 2020 and 2021, pastoring a church and knowing people, I thought, man, that sounds about right. But when I saw that 60% of these people Believe that the church could help. I thought, man, we're living in a city that is just flat worn out. But they think Jesus might be able to help them. And for the first time, this phrase, maybe Jesus, kind of birthed in my head because I thought, I'm living in a city that's wearing it because of what has been thrown at us in 2020 and 2021. But they think maybe Jesus can help them. How as a church do we help put our city together with our Savior so that maybe they can know Jesus like we know Jesus. This month at Journey is going to be called Maybe Jesus. And it's a series that we've been dreaming of for a long time because it's a series where we're going to meet three people in Scripture who kind of tried everything but Jesus and nothing was working. And they didn't go to Jesus believing he was the answer, but they went to him hoping that he might be. And we're going to meet three people who say like, hey, maybe Jesus can bring hope to this broken situation. Will in the month, like you just heard on video announcements, uh, meeting a family, the barracks, you say, what's the barracks story? 16 years ago, they were on their way home from church on a Sunday night when they were run over by a drunk driver. Someone who'd had four previous arrests, who'd had his license suspended, who had already hit someone in a hit and run that night. His blood alcohol level would be higher than 0.3. They pulled him over, and while they were waiting to process his license, they let him sit in his car with the keys, and he took off again. And running down the road at 85 miles an hour, he hit this family who was heading home from church and literally ran right over their minivan. When you see the video that the newsreel did of that night 16 years ago, you'll see a, a minivan that looks like a convertible. All four people in the family were airlifted to four different hospitals. None of them were expected to make it. They all survived. Their daughter, Jen, with a traumatic brain injury. You'll hear a little bit of her story that day. But as I talked to Andy, I said, Andy, what's your story? Like when, like when you go to churches, What do you share? Because they now travel around the world sharing their story. And he said, here's the story that we share, Christian. As I laid in bed bed and thought, Lord, like why did we survive? Why did my whole family survive? He said, I felt like God spoke to me and said, Andy, everyone in life gets run over by something. I left you here to tell them that they could get up with Jesus. So for the rest of your life, I want you to go around to people who have lost hope and say, I know life has run over you. But there's hope in Jesus. This month is about connected connecting broken, discouraged, burned out, tired, isolated people to hope through Jesus. We're going to find that today in John chapter 2 of Scripture, and it's interesting because the first person we're going to meet who hopes that Jesus might be able to help is his mom. Her name is Mary. Before we read Scripture at our church, we always pray, but I'm going to ask you maybe to pray a little more specifically today. It's been a long week in our church and in our community. Uh, Many of you know my assistant, Michelle, who really allows me to be way better pastorally than I would be on my own. Her father unexpectedly had a heart attack and died Thursday night. They pulled him off of life support yesterday. If you don't know anyone who's hurting, I'm going to ask you specifically to just pray for Michelle and her mom, Kathy. Her husband, Jason, is actually running sound for us today. He and the kids will get in the car and head to Ohio on Monday for the funeral, We also had two teenagers in our community, as many of you are aware, who got in a car accident on Friday and both lost their lives just a few miles away on County Line Road. And we've been ministering to one of those families. If you don't have anyone you know who's hurting, pray for those two families of Lee Summit West teenagers, one a senior in high school, one who's graduated, who just lost their life. Or maybe pray for one of the many people you know who might be sick or hurting. We as a church are potentially going to oversee three or four funerals in the next five or six days. So as we pray, we're not just going to pray that God speaks to our heart, but we're going to pray that God like, brings comfort and hope to people living through a really difficult time. So would you just bow your heads with me? Would you take a deep breath and kind of settle your soul into this moment? And if you know someone who's hurting, would you just pray that God might comfort them today in a way that's real to them? If you don't have anyone to pray for, pray for Michelle and her mom, Kathy. If you know someone who's sick, would you pray that God might bring them healing? Would you pray for the families in our community who just lost their sons? And would you pray that God would use this service to speak to your heart? so that you might see Jesus. God, comfort those who are hurting. Bring healing to those who are sick. God, I pray you might speak to our hearts on this grand opening service, so that we might see Jesus and have hope in him. Connect our hurt to his hope. That's our prayer, and we ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So John chapter 2, we're gonna see Jesus' mom tell a group of people, I hope, maybe, possibly, Jesus can help. Here's the story. It says, On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. That's in northern Israel. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour's not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. though the servants who draw on the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then leaves the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you've saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Canaan of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. So I'm so glad that you are here. But for those of you who are watching from around the world, I'm glad you are here too. I'm going to read you a letter that I think you're really going to enjoy. This was sent to me a few weeks ago. It says, a few weeks ago when Pastor Christian announced that he wanted us to invite as many people as we could to the grand opening January 9th service, I immediately thought I didn't know anyone I could invite. However, I play online video games and I decided to invite some of my friends from around the world to join me in watching the live stream service. I invited about 20 people and nine of them said they'd attend. In this group of nine, they're skeptics members of the LGBTQ community, people who knew God but have lost their connection to him and people who've not yet had the chance to know God. One of the people attending is a young teenager who's fearful their parents will find out they're reading the Bible. There's people who felt wrong by the hypocrites in other churches, few people who are skeptical and just attending to appease me and a few who are actually excited to watch a service from the church I talk so highly of. So know that on January 9th, You'll have an audience of people from the KC Metro, but you'll also be ministering to a young man from New Zealand, two brothers from Australia, a young lady from Washington, another one from North Carolina, another from South Carolina. You'll be reaching a young man from Sweden, a young man from Gibraltar and a young man from Germany. So for those of you who might be watching like from around the world, like welcome and thanks for being with us. And for the gamer who came up with a really creative way to reach people, like good job, like well done figuring out how to connect your life to what Jesus is doing. If you're in the room and you've never heard anything about Jesus, but what I've said, or you're watching from around the world and you've never heard anything about Jesus, but what I just said, and you're like, wait a minute, Jesus got invited to a party and he brought 180 gallons of wine. This guy intrigues me. Tell me more. Um, That is a part of the story, but it's not the point of the story. Like that did happen, but it's not the point of the story. So my goal today is to help you understand the point of what we just read So that you can understand the purpose of what we just read So if you've pulled your notes out and you're taking notes I want to start with what I call the point of the history lesson that john is giving us But I I want you to underline the words history lesson Because this is not a story. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a fable It's not like a bedtime story that comforts your heart like this is history that really happened It's not make-believe. This really happened real people in a real place in a real time Um, But it's interesting because four men wrote biographies about the life and ministry of Jesus, and they're different than the biographies that we have. I I would call them theological biographies, theological history. You say, what does it mean, theological history, that the people writing about the life of Jesus were writing theological history? It means this. The primary thing they were writing about Jesus was how he helps you know God. That's what the word theology means, a knowledge of God. So these guys that were writing about the life and ministry of Jesus, their primary lens was what can we write that helps you know God? If you're here today and you don't know God, the point of this history lesson is that you might know who God is. It's why we lack certain biographical information about Jesus that we know about others. Like We don't know if Jesus was tall or short, even though the Bible tells us Goliath was tall and Zacchaeus was short. We don't know whether Jesus was like, like built like a, like a, like Samson really strong or whether he was like so fat, like the high priest Eli that he couldn't stand up. But we know in scripture, we've been told people who are like buff and people who are like so sloppy fat that they can't stand up. We don't know if he had black hair or red hair, even though we're told in scripture that Solomon did have black hair and his dad, David had red hair. We're not told whether he was really good looking or not so good looking, even though we are told in scripture that Esther was beautiful and Leah had a great personality. Like, like if you read the story, and that comes from one of my interns who's like, that's how you should say it. Instead of saying she's not good looking, just say she has a great personality. So you're welcome, Tucker, for throwing that um, in there. Like our interns, I, I knew it was him. I knew it was him. Yep, yep, it was him. Um, so like we don't know, we don't know a lot of things about Jesus, But what we do know about Jesus, we're told so that we can know God. As a matter of fact, like John tells us at the end of this history lesson, hey, here's why I wrote it. In verse 11, what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Like this whole history lesson was built so that people could see Jesus and believe in him. His whole book was written for that purpose. We see seven signs that Jesus did. All of them were told so people would believe in him. Seven statements that Jesus made. I am this person, Also, people would believe in him. Seven sermons that Jesus gave so that we would know like, uh, like the way of life that Jesus wanted us to live. Literally God's number for perfection was seven and everything in the book of John is like found in groups of seven. Like if God had a number, his number would be seven. And some of you are like, no, 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 John Elway's seven. And some of you are like, isn't John Elway God? And the answer is no, John Elway is not God, even though he is number seven. And for those of you who are even thinking about John Elway, we're praying for you. because if you did think he was God while he was a quarterback, now that he picks quarterbacks, you know that he's not. So like, we're just praying for what that has done to your faith. Um, on the Activate podcast this week, when I literally said, if God had a number, it would be seven, Pastor Ryan interrupted me and was like, John Elway was seven. And I thought, there it is, you crazy Bronco fans. Um 0 and 13, last couple times they played the Chiefs. But like, we're praying today they'll see Jesus, believe in Jesus, wear red and come to the right side. Amen. That always gets such a stronger amen than anything I say about Jesus, but we'll go with it since we're in church. Like the whole purpose of John's book, he says in John 20, 31, he gets to the end of his book and said, every word I've written was so that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah. It's a word that means savior, rescuer, the son of God. And so that by believing in him, you might have life in his name. John said the whole point is, of me telling you about Jesus so that that you might have life in his name. So let me ask you, as 2022 begins, how's life going? For those of you who are followers of Jesus, but following at a distance, how's life going? Is life going better further from Jesus than it was when you were close to Jesus? For those of you who are not Jesus followers at all, and you've been trying everything but Jesus, how's life going for you? Do you go to bed at peace at night? Or is maybe Jesus the answer to what you're going through. The point of this history lesson is to help you see Jesus so you can believe in Jesus, so that you can receive Jesus, so you can have the life that he gives. In order, in order to understand that a little bit, we have to know the details of this history lesson. So that would be number two. We, I want you to see the point, but I want you to see the, the details of the history lesson. I want to get away from the moment. Like we looked at the moment. Jesus changed water to wine. Now I want to get inside the moment because I think there's three moments that help us really see this miracle and how it applies to our life. I call the first one like the maybe Jesus moment. There's like a moment where a problem presented itself and Jesus' mom was like, um, hey, ma-, like, maybe he can help. It says, on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they don't have any more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. But his mom said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. She had no idea what he was going to do, but it's not a bad idea to just do whatever Jesus tells you. In the ancient world, weddings were way more important to them than they are to us. A wedding feast would be a week long. And at the end of the week, the bride and groom would get married if everything had gone really, really well. And the wedding celebration would leave a lifelong reputation in the village that someone lived in because they would invite all their friends and families from kind of across the region that they lived in. But usually people lived in villages of less than 200 people. And they invi- the entire village was invited to every wedding. And you would kind of stake your reputation for what kind of host you were on this wedding. And they had a big problem because they were out of wine. And somehow Jesus' mom had some kind of oversight of this and went to Jesus. And he's like, like, like Jesus, we're out of wine. And Jesus is like, that's not really my thing. But she told the servants, like, do whatever he says. Not a, it's not a bad idea to do what Jesus says. There are worse ideas that you can have than do whatever Jesus says. During the pandemic, I, I heard about lots of people having lots of bad ideas because they had too much free time on their hands. There was a group of boys in Contra Costa, California last May who were at a school doing an online school, which basically means kind of no school for a lot of people, um, and they were in their backyard, and they had built a fire pit because it was a little cold, and they were playing stickball, and one of them got the idea. I'm not saying it was a good idea because there are children in the room I'll go ahead and say it was a bad idea. One of them got the idea, what if we lit the tennis ball on fire and then played stickball? So they lit the tennis ball on fire, and they played stickball with it. And when one of them hit a home run into the neighbor's yard, it was a bad idea. Um, when all four of the cars had burned and the structure of the house had burned and all the acreages around it burned, at some point somebody was like, that's that's a bad, that's a bad idea. Um, don't play stickball with a flaming um, tennis ball. That's, that's a bad idea. There are way worse ideas than do whatever Jesus says. Even though this may be Jesus moment of just do whatever Jesus says, led to, led to some weird things happen. I, 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 call it a, I call it, it led to a seriously Jesus moment, like with a question mark on it. Like, like, it's like, hey, we don't have any wine, so do whatever Jesus says. And when Jesus said, do this, they were like, seriously? You want us to, you want us to do that? What did he tell them to do? It says in verse 6, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. He said, what were were these jars? What were they used for? These jars were used for washing hands, washing feet, and washing the pots and pans that were used in the preparation of the meal. And Jesus said, let's use that, put it in a cup, take it to someone important and tell them to take a drink. It's like, seriously? Seriously? You want us to serve him bath water after the baby has been in the bath? It's like, seriously? How's that going to work? And Jesus says, try it. His maybe Jesus moment had become like, seriously, you want us to do that? And Jesus like, yeah, do it. So they did it. And it became a clearly Jesus moment. Because when they acted on faith, what Jesus told them to do, they saw him clearly. It says, the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He didn't realize where it come from, though the servants who drew the water knew. So he called the bridegroom aside and he said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you save the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cain of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. When they did what Jesus asked them to do, even when it didn't make sense to them at the time, like they saw Jesus clearly. The only purpose of the jars at this wedding feast as I'll teach you in just a minute, was so that people could maybe be close to God in this moment. And they more clearly saw than at any time in their life that they were really close to God when they were close to Jesus. So that's the point. John wants you to see Jesus so you might believe in him and receive him and have life in his name. And those are the details. The question is, like, what does that have to do with us? It's 2,000 years later. It's 2022. 2022 what does this miracle have to do with us? Great question. Let me teach you number three, the purpose of this history lesson that we're living in, because I believe it holds some truth for you and I. Again, the purpose is easy. What's the purpose of everything John wrote? So that we might see Jesus, believe in Jesus, receive him as our savior, and have life in his name. You say, Christian, is that still important in 2022? Well, it is in Kansas City. Because if Jesus said, Kansas City, here I come, here's who Jesus is coming to. Stressed, anxious, burned out, lonely, and depressed people. Like, this is not just our city. For some of us, this is, this is us. USA Today yesterday released a survey that said 90% of Americans believe we are living through a mental health crisis because either they or someone they know. Nine out of 10 Americans say, me or someone I know is struggling with mental health right now. Nine out of 10. You say, do we really need Jesus to bring life? Only if you want life beyond stress, life beyond anxiety, life beyond burnout, life beyond loneliness, life beyond depression. See, if we seek a life beyond those things, then the answer is, yeah, there is a purpose to this miracle in our life today. You say, what is the purpose? I think it's three things. Somebody say, really. Here's what I think the first purpose is. Jesus really can Help you, and I believe Jesus really does care. What if Jesus really does care? See, Mary, Mary knew some things about her son Jesus, just not everything. Mary had been told that Jesus would be the savior of the world. She'd been told that he would become the king of Israel. She'd been told that he would be called the Prince of Peace. She'd been told that he would forgive people of their sins, the things they had done to offend God. So Mary knew all this spiritual stuff about Jesus. Here's what she did not know on this day, whether or not he cared about her problem in that moment. She was like, I know all the big stuff Jesus is going to do spiritually. What I'm trying to figure out is, can you help me right now today? And Jesus is like, yeah, I can. And there's a lot of you here today who know the same things about Jesus. I know what Jesus does. I know the story about the cross. I know the story about Christmas. I know the story about Easter. I know eternal stuff. Like, I know all the spiritual Jesus stuff. What I don't know is if Jesus knows what I'm going through right now, if he cares, and if he wants to help. And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Jesus does know what you're going through. Jesus does care. And Jesus is willing to help. You say, then how do I get his help? Do whatever he tells you to do. Do whatever he tells you to do. See, this miracle has purpose for us if we follow it in our own lives. You say, well, what does he want me to do? Somebody say, really? I believe Jesus is really serious when he tells us to do everything we can do in our natural power to draw close to God. Jesus says, I need you to do everything you can do to draw close to God, And then I will close whatever gap is left. See, the jars. Somebody say the jars. The jars are the key to the story. Because these jars used for ceremonial washing meant this it meant somebody at the wedding cared a whole lot about everyone at the wedding being close to God. The Jews had and continue to have. Orthodox Jews, a very elaborate system of ritual washing where they wash their hands and they let it run all the way down off their elbows. If you go to the Temple Mount and pray with Orthodox Jews today, you'll see them in the fountains cleansing their hands. They would wash their feet before they entered a residence if they'd been on a long journey, especially traveling to a wedding. And they had a very elaborate process where they washed all their utensils so that they would be holy. Like the jars symbolized a desire for someone at this wedding to make sure that everyone at this wedding could be close to God. hundred and eighty gallons of ceremonial washing water. And they couldn't just turn on the hose. They couldn't just flip on the spigot. They probably had to walk a mile or more into town to go a couple gallons at a time. I don't know if you all remember last Sunday, it was pretty cold. Danielle and I got home Sunday and the pipes in our house had frozen. They hadn't burst, thanks God, but they were frozen. No water was coming out of anywhere we called a friend and like what are we going to do and they said go to the water main in the house it's in the basement and start draining it just to get the water moving So one pitcher at a time, we started draining the water in our house to get the water moving. And after seven, he was on speakerphone. I was like, can I be done now? Like seven gallons of water, one gallon at a time, dump it in the bathtub. One gallon at a time, dump it in the bathtub. Like, am am I going to have to go to 10? Are you going to make me go to 20? Am I working out here? What are we doing? Like 180 gallons of water, twice, 360 gallons of water. Somebody cared a whole lot about doing what they could do. So that the presence of God might be near their life and these jar fillers Had no idea what jesus was doing, but they knew what they could do To get people ready to meet god and they basically said we'll do the natural. We'll do everything we can do We'll do the natural And I guess we'll just trust jesus to do the supernatural Church father augustine prayed this way. He said pray like it all depends on jesus But work like it all depends on you like do the natural And then expect jesus to do the supernatural You say, what is the natural? I need Jesus to do a miracle in my life today. What is the natural? Let me give you four words that I think kind of summarize this uh, history lesson that we've been reading. Surrender, separate, saturate, and situate. You say, I need a miracle in my life. What has Jesus told me to do that I can do? Number one, surrender. Mary and the people who were leading this wedding basically came to Jesus and said, "We, we are out of answers and we are out of time. We are now taking our problem and we're putting it in your hands. We surrender. We can't fix this. A relationship with Jesus begins with you looking at your life, your past, your inner peace, your future, your eternity and saying, I don't think I can be in control of that. I can't fix what has happened in me, around me, what might happen to me. I surrender, Jesus. I need you to be in charge. After a surrender comes a separation. That's what these jars symbolize. Basically, the jars would symbolize this. The Jews would walk into a dwelling place and they would clean the dirt off the outside of their hands and feet and all after off, off of all of their pitchers and utensils for this reason. They, they basically said, God, we want you to see how important it is to us on the inside to be clean so we'll wash the outside really, really good. We want you to understand, God, that we have to separate from the things in the world that we've been a part of, the things my eyes have been looking at. I've got to wash those off. The things my ears have been listening to, i got to wash those off. The places my feet have been going, i got to wash those off. The things that I've been handling, i got to wash those off. The things going on in my marriage, the things going on in my job, the things going on in my relationships, all this stuff from my past that I have messed up or where I've been messed up, I just want that all to be removed from me. I need to separate who I was from who you want me to be. Separation. That's what the jars symbolized. Some things in my life I know I don't want to carry to my meeting with Jesus, so God, wiped them off of me. The saturate is a picture of the water. Jesus said, fill up the jars. It said he filled them to the brim. Jesus would later refer to himself as the living water. And Psalm chapter one says that those of us who want to be near to God need to be like trees that are planted by a river who every day dip their roots in the water. You say, I need Jesus to do a miracle in my life. How many days this past week did you put your spiritual roots in the living water of Jesus? Read a page of scripture, say a one-line prayer, get a text message with a verse of the day, listen to a podcast, read a book, watch a sermon, do something that allowed you to immerse yourself in Jesus, saturate, and then situate. Get where God is moving among the people of God. He's moving among doing the mission of God as he moves. Situate yourself where God is, where God is moving, where God's mission is being done. Like you say, I, I, need a, I need the supernatural in my life. Do the natural. I love what Pastor Andy Stanley said as he walked through this pandemic year with his church about being situated spiritually. He said, people usually drift away from their community of faith before they drift away from their faith. And there's some people at the beginning of 2022, whose faith feels a little weaker than it was at the beginning of 2020. And it's because you removed yourself from your community of faith, all those people who were pouring into you and making sure that you were staying on point in your faith, like somehow you removed yourself from them, from your community of faith, and you've not reengaged yet. Maybe 2022 is the year to do that. See, some of you are saying, Jesus, I'm still waiting on my miracle. And Jesus says, I'm still waiting on you to do what I ask you to do. I told you to do the natural, and I promise if you do the natural, I'll meet you and do the supernatural. You're saying, Jesus, I need a miracle. And Jesus says, I need obedience. So often in Scripture, blessing is found right after obedience, not before. And some of us are like, I need Jesus to do the supernatural in my life. And Jesus is saying, do the natural. Do the natural, and then I'll step in and do the supernatural. I believe Jesus is really serious about us doing everything we can to get close to God. And then he kind of closes the gap that we need, which leads to the third, really somebody say, really, I believe you will really clearly see Jesus as the savior of the world. And maybe even the savior of your life, when you begin to see him, when you begin to learn his way for your life, when you begin to experience him, I believe you will clearly see Jesus is not just the savior of the world. He can be the savior of my life. He can be the savior of this moment if I will see him, receive him, pursue him and experience life. The interesting thing about this miracle in John 2, not everyone saw what Jesus did. Only the people who were serving saw what Jesus did. Only those close enough to hear him, only those surrendered enough to obey him, only those who would take the time to serve him saw what he did. It said those people who were helping Jesus saw the miracle. Everyone else had no idea what was going on. And I see that happen so often in a church, that people who are in the service miss what God is doing, but those who are serving behind the scenes see it so clearly. See, to see Jesus clearly, sometimes you have to serve him faithfully. Some of you are in here, it's been a long couple of years spiritually, and you used to be like locked in with your hands, serving Jesus behind the scenes. And now you're just in the audience wondering, what is God doing now? It's those serving who often see God moving the most. One of our ministry partners, you heard Danielle mention, is a church in Israel, northern Israel in Haifa called Beit Eliyahu. One of their missionaries sent me a picture this week that as I looked at it, I just laughed. In Israel, they're still not doing indoor church services after two years. Because of the size of their congregation, they have to meet outside in a courtyard near their church. If you've never been to Israel in January, it rains a lot and it's pretty cold. So this is a picture of their service from a few weeks ago when it was in the high forties and it was raining. They put tarps over the courtyard, but those tarps had holes in them. So this is Philip, one of our missionaries, and he stood with a pole the entire service so that the rain would run behind the people instead of dripping off the people. You know who probably got more out of that Sunday service than anyone sitting in the seats? The guy with the pole. You know who will remember this Sunday? probably longer than anyone who was at church that Sunday, the guy with the pole. And some of you haven't picked up your pole to serve Jesus in a really long time. And because of that, you're not seeing Jesus as clearly as you used to. For those of you who laid down your pole, pick it up in 2022. Say, how do I do that? You're right, Christian. I put down my pole. How do I pick it up? You need to, like, right after this service, you need to go to the Connection Center and say, give me a pole. I need to serve so I can see Jesus. Or you need to come tonight to the family vision night and say, give me a pole so that I can see Jesus. Or you need to start going to growth tracks so you can find out who God made you to be and say, give me a pole so I can serve Jesus. Like, you're not gonna see him as clearly sitting in the audience as you will serving behind the scenes. So, like, let's get engaged serving behind the scenes again. John says if we will see Jesus, believe in him, receive him, we'll find life and that life will be miraculous. Somebody say miraculous. That's the way Kathy Patton and her family described this last 4th of July weekend. Kathy Patton, her daughter Pfeiffer and her granddaughter Alora were said to be miraculous in Baltimore over the 4th of July last year. Here's his story. Kathy was on the golf course playing golf, all July 2nd. When she got a call that she could come to the hospital, her daughter Pfeiffer was moving into the 30th hour of a very difficult labor. And they said, you need to come and be with your daughter. So she got to the hospital. And when she got to her hospital room, she began to feel not so good. And she literally laid down on the floor and died. Clinically dead. For 45 minutes, no no heartbeat, no oxygen going to the brain. They literally did CPR for 45 minutes. They rushed her out of the room to another room where they could work on her. And in that same hour, they rushed Pfeiffer to an emergency C-section. After 45 minutes, Kathy's heart began to beat again. And she literally with zero long-term effects came back from the dead. And moments later, her granddaughter was born healthy and alive. And the hospital said, this is miraculous. We've never had two family members, literally in a moment, come back from the dead, and be born. But that's what happened at our hospital. My prayer is that that's what would happen at church this morning. That those of you who have kind of fallen down faint on the floor and have a very weak heartbeat spiritually would have this service be spiritual CPR, which would like shock your chest back to life. I'm praying that God will use today to bring some of you back to life spiritually. It's been a long two years. Come back to us. And at the exact same time, I'm praying that some of you who have never been born again spiritually, you've never become a follower of Jesus. You've never experienced the rebirth of Christianity, that you would be born. My my hope is that we see the same miraculous here today that they saw in that Baltimore hospital the July 4th weekend, that the dead would come back to life and that some of you would be born brand new. If you don't know Jesus today, you can see him and believe in him and receive him and have life. And if you're kind of dead on the floor and the heartbeat's pretty weak, come back to us. Rededicate, recommit, grab a pole. Let's go help our hurting city together. Would you pray with me as we consider what we've learned? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed all over this auditorium and perhaps all over the world through our live stream right now. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, but hearts are open. What has God said to you today and how do you need to respond? If you're here and you've never been born again spiritually, if you're here and you've never come alive spiritually because you've asked Jesus to become your savior, if you're here and you've never asked Jesus to become your leader, if you're here and you've never asked Jesus to forgive you and give you life, you can do that. The scriptures say you believe in your heart that God is real, you see him through Jesus and then you confess through prayer that you need him and are willing to receive him. If you're here and you've never done that, you can do it today through prayer. See, Christian, I really don't know how to pray. I'll say a prayer, you can repeat after me. You don't have to pray it out loud. You don't have to even move your lips from your heart to heaven. You can just pray something like this. If you need to be born again spiritually and experience a rebirth, just pray something like this from your heart to heaven, not out loud. But from your heart to heaven, just pray something like this. Jesus, I need to receive you. Just repeat it after me. Jesus, I need to receive you and the life that you offer. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of my past. Heal me of my hurts. Lead me into my future. Today by faith, which means I don't understand it all, but I'm willing to believe what I see in Jesus. Today, by faith, I ask you to forgive my past, be with me in my present, direct my future, and give me eternal life with you in heaven when I die. Heads are still bowed and eyes are still closed. If you just prayed with me, I'd like to pray for you. I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable, don't want to make you feel vulnerable in any way, but if you just prayed with me, I'd like to pray for you. Say, Christian, how are you going to do that? I'm gonna ask everyone to keep their heads bowed and their eyes closed. And in just a second, I'm gonna to count to three. And when I get to three, if you just prayed with me, I'm just gonna ask you to just lift your hand up in the air for a few seconds. Just hold it up all over the congregation so I can scan the room. Then I'll have you put them down while people's heads are still bowed and eyes are still closed. And then I wanna say a prayer as you begin your new life with Jesus. I do wanna say this, it'll take courage to do. When the supernatural meets the natural, fear is a very natural emotion. So it'll take faith over fear. But if today you said yes to coming alive in Jesus and you prayed with me, will you let me know by raising your hand on the count of three so I can pray for you? One, two, three, right now, just all over the room. One, two, three, just lift your hands up all over the room. If you prayed with me, I wanna pray for you. Just leave them up in the air. I see you from the front to the back. I'm just scanning slowly from my left to my right. Keep them up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Keep them up, keep them up. Thank you, thank you. Man, from the front row all the way to the back row, keep them up. I'm past the halfway point of the room. Yes, 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 yes. You can put your hands down. God, thank you for these who have acknowledged today receiving life in Jesus. Let them feel what these jar fillers felt 2,000 years ago. Let them see Jesus in a brand new way and believe that they have received him. I pray that they will feel new life as they leave. I don't know how to explain that, but I've experienced it. So I pray they feel forgiven. I pray they would feel, Lord, like they've been given a, a, just a clean slate. I feel like they would feel like their future's being re- redirected. I pray that they would feel a peace over this life and the next life. God, I, I pray they'd feel close to Jesus through your Holy Spirit. Let them not just... Make a decision, but experience you in this moment. Bless them in their life spiritually as they are reborn or maybe brought back to life spiritually. Bless them, Lord. Thank you for bringing them here today. Heads are still bowed and eyes are still closed. If you're one of those who just raised your hand, would you go one more step? If you came with someone today, would you just kind of grab their leg or squeeze their arm or just nudge them with your elbow? Would you do something to somebody you came with to let them know, hey, I made a spiritual decision today and I just want to let you know. Just let someone near you know in some way that is only apparent to the two or three of you. And if somebody nudges you, would you just say a prayer for them right now? And would you say a prayer for yourself for how you might help them spiritually? Just before we leave with heads still bowed and eyes still closed, Christians... Are you following but it's such a far distance that you've not been experiencing Jesus a whole lot come back like they shouted at Kathy in that hospital while they were doing CPR come back to us come back to spiritual community Christians when's the last time you picked up a pole and got involved behind the scenes let 2022 be that year come back to us serve Jesus so you might see Jesus commit to him that you'll do that this year. Jesus, we see you. We believe in you. We receive you and we ask that you'll bring us the life that John promised that you would. Can't do anything without you. So God, I pray you'll be with us and go with us as we leave this service and live this week spiritually for you. God, we ask all these things today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Hey, Journey, would you put your hands together for literally dozens of people today who acknowledge making a spiritual decision? If you were one of those people, um, by the way, just so you can know a little bit about my like personal miracle, between services, I could barely speak. I've been losing my voice all week long. The whole time I was preaching, they were playing underneath me the 845 service in case I had to get off the stage and they had to play that one. So the fact that I've been talking this long, I bet by noon I won't be able to speak at all. So several of you were praying for me that I'd be able to finish the service, so thank you. Um, If you made a spiritual decision today, in the seat pocket in front of you is a connection card, or if you came with someone who made a spiritual decision today, we wanna know about it. So fill out this connection card. um, Check a box that says, today I prayed to become a Christian, or today I recommitted my life to Jesus. You can take this to the connection center when you leave, or you can give this to the spiritual care team member in your section. So those people who stood up, you can go give it right to them. We would love to give you a gift and some resources as you begin to walk with Jesus. We believe the day you say yes to Jesus or, or recommit your life to Jesus is like your best day ever. So we give away a t-shirt that says best day ever and a resource bag that says best day ever, now what? So please don't leave before you fill out this connection card. If you made a spiritual decision or if you came with someone who did, fill it out for them Take it to the Connection Center and we'll do a good job of walking with you as you begin your spiritual journey. There's also a card in the seat pocket in front of you just because there's a lot of hurting people in our community right now that just says spiritual care. If you or somebody that you know needs spiritual care, would you let us know? Like one of the young, like one of the young men who lost his life on Friday night, their family's not a part of our church, but they're close to someone who is, and they said, "Christian, our church needs to respond. Can we help? If you need spiritual care, or if somebody you know needs spiritual care, would you just let us know? You can fill this out, hand it to the spiritual care team member in your section, or put it in the boxes between the doors as you exit today. Uh, we believe God wants us to care for our community. So if you know someone who needs care, please do not hesitate to let us know. Um, Before we leave, we always just sing like a little chorus to remind us of who God is and what God has done. Um, So we're going to ask you to stand. And as we get ready to sing, go ahead and stand, go ahead and stand here. And if you're at home, I'm just moving this because they're going to take the table away and I don't want them to spill it all over the stage. Um, I want to say this. We believe when Jesus is in the house, the house is a house of miracles. Amen. So as we worship today, we're gonna close with this song called House of Miracles because when Jesus is in the house, the house is a house of miracles. Come back next week to meet a man named Nicodemus with us who comes to Jesus and says, maybe you can help me. It'll be another good conversation. And if you know someone who's been run over by life, please invite them January 30th that they might hear how they can have hope. We wanna provide hope to people who are hurting in our community. Jesus, thank you that when you're in the house, it's a house of miracles. We worship you and proclaim that today. In Jesus' name.